0: Hello and welcome back everybody to the 21st episode of the Three Point Threat, a Utah Jazz Show. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. I'm glad to be back. You know, it was awesome to see the Jazz finally get a big win, much needed after going through quite the long losing streak. And let's hope there's more of that ahead. I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on the performance in Orlando um, on the show. But first of all, I want to give you a rundown of the three points we'll be looking at today. Uh, For point number one, I want to weigh in on, well, what I consider the tanking nonsense. There's been a lot of fans that have been pushing for the Utah Jazz to go into, into full-on tank mode after their kind of slow 7-10 and 10 start. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm very much opposed to that, and I'll have my thoughts on it here shortly, uh, but that'll be point number one. For point number two, you know, there's been a lot of teams so far this season that have been pretty interesting. Uh, You know, some that have started out fast but then have kind of fizzled since then. Others that were vice versa, you know, they kind of had a slow start and now they're playing great. I want to look at five teams from the East and five teams from the West that really stand out to me, is really falling in that category, and then give my thoughts on whether that team is real or fake, whether they're really someone we should believe in moving forward this year, or whether their current trend is not going to hold up. So that'll be point number two. Then for point number three, as I'm sure you guys are all accustomed to by now, I'll be giving my thoughts and predictions on the week ahead. Obviously, the Jazz went one and three last week with that lone win coming over Orlando on Saturday. Uh, this week, the Jazz have the Sixers, the Bulls, and the Bucks. Three games that I feel are winnable, um, but there are going to be some challenges in there. I'll give all my thoughts uh, on those for the final segment. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's just go ahead and jump into point number one. Point one. So I will be the first to admit that I've been, you know, a little bit disappointed with the Jazz so far this year. We all knew this year was going to be a little bit interesting as far as you know how the team would bounce back after losing Gordon Hayward and George Hill. Um, there are quite a few new faces. A lot of guys are going to have to step up. We knew the Jazz would need to stay healthy. Obviously, that hasn't been the case so far. I mean, we see the Jazz now are 7-10, and 10, and that's before they've really gone through the hardest part of their schedule, which obviously next month, December, is the hardest schedule, is the hardest month that any team has in the NBA. So it's going to be a tough ride. Um, but I will say a lot of the games the Jazz have lost um, have really surprised me. Um, there's been a lot that I thought they would pull out or at least compete more in. And there's been a lot of games where they haven't really competed. So let me just say, I'll be the first to admit, like I said, that I've been a little bit disappointed with the Jazz. And, you know, with that poor play of late and with, you know, all the injuries, obviously Dante Exum um, was lost in preseason. Now Rudy Gobert is out for a few weeks. Joe Johnson's still out. And then even more so leading up to the game against Brooklyn where we had Ricky Rubio and Tavo Sepalosha who sat out due to minor injuries. There were a lot of Jazz fans that, you know, across social media and different platforms, um, really began calling for the jazz to go into full on tank mode. Um, you know, kind of the play on the jazz hashtag take note. People were instead saying tank note, um, just wanting the jazz to go full on, you know, tanking, as I said. And let me just say, this this got me pretty fired up. Um, I straight up hate tanking, I hate that mentality, I hate that culture, I um, hate that mindset. And so right away, I took to uh, thejnotes.com to express my um, unsatisfaction, my dissatisfaction with. You know, that way of thinking that Jazz needed to, you know, kind of give up on this year and go into tank mode. Um, I wrote a pretty fiery piece on my thoughts there, and I wanted to follow that up here on the pod today. Um, first of all, let me do a little bit of disclaimer. I do feel like there are two definitions of tanking, so I'll give some Jazz fans the benefit of the doubt when they are pushing for this. I think one definition is that you know people think we're already somewhat tanking just by losing games, and they just are referring to let things take its course and have a down year that way. To me, I don't call that tanking. I call that more rebuilding, and we knew this year was going to be somewhat of a rebuild, and that's completely fine. In my mind, you have to sometimes take a step back in order to grow. What I consider tanking is when a team or an organization purposely looks to lose games. And now I, I know I said to give some jazz fans the benefit of the doubt, but there are others out there that I feel are calling for exactly that—the purposeful tanking, the trying to lose as many games as possible to get a better draft pick. And you know that it usually entails resting players, being overly conservative with injuries. You know maybe they can play, but you're going to rest them another two or three weeks under the pretense that oh they're still hurting and really it's instilling a culture that hey you know maybe your players that are out there are playing the best they can in their mind but if you have a tank mentality from an organizational standpoint you're instilling a mindset in your team that oh it's not a big deal when we lose because it's going to pay off in the long run And you know what I think of all that? I think it's a load of garbage. I absolutely hate the tanking mentality. To me, it is one of the biggest blights on the NBA. It's one of the biggest problems that it has. You know, I talk to a lot of people that are huge College Hoops fans and they can't get into the NBA. And some things I'll argue with them on that I think that, you know, you're just saying that because you haven't watched it enough. But one thing that I will always agree with them on is that the tanking problem is such a joke. That we have these teams that are looking to get rewarded for playing terribly. And I'm not going to say I have the solution to help teams get out of the cellar. I wish there was an idea that I had. But I hate the idea that, oh, we're just going to tank and it's going to make us better in the long term. We're going to rest guys. We're going to get better by losing. I can't stand it at all. I think it's an absolute disrespect to the game. It's disrespectful to the competitive nature of basketball. These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to go out there and play and give us a show and do the the best of their ability. There's people that would kill to be able to have that opportunity for a fraction of the money they're making. And the the fact that we're going to talk about instilling in these players that, oh, just go out there and lose so that we can get better in the long run – I absolutely cannot stand it. Beyond that, you know, I, I think, you know, you could say, you could argue there's some benefits to it, but I also think that it kills your culture. It doesn't always work out. I mean, just because you tank for a few years and get some high draft picks doesn't mean it's going to work out. You know, for every story, like the Golden State Warriors, who, quite frankly, I think we would all admit tanks to get Harrison Barnes, and that's led to a chain of events. They've had other successes, sure, but the tanking was a part of it. For every success story like that, I feel like there's a bazillion others that just do not pan out. Um, Teams can try to tank, um, but the draft is still a crapshoot. We've seen plenty of top three picks that haven't panned out. You know, Lots of times, some of your best players come in that middle lottery anyway. Um, For example, I'd say Donovan Mitchell. I know he's still a rookie, has a lot to prove. But from what we've seen so far, I think he would argue that, hey, you know, I'm one of the best rookies in that draft class, and you didn't get me till 13th. Um, You know, yeah, you traded up for me, but you didn't get me by tanking. So there's other ways to get talent than to tank without having to kill your culture and without having to put your fans and and your players through this long haul of just losing. The other thing is, you know, maybe you tank and you get some good players. There's still no guarantee they're going to stick around. I mean, look at Gordon Hayward. The second he was unrestricted free agent, he bolted. And I think we all know, looking back, that if he could have bolted when he was a restricted free agent, he sure would have. He was not looking to stay. And that's not going to help a team get over the hunt either. Um, Another example of tanking, obviously one that's very recent, very top of mind for people right now, is the Philadelphia 76ers. And you know what? Maybe their five-plus years of of just playing terrible basketball is going to pay off. I mean, I'll give it to them that Embiid and Simmons look really, really good. Um, but I still think they don't have a winning culture. It's going to take them a while to get that to come back. Um, they still have a long road ahead, I guess you could say. They're not going to win a championship this year. Um, they're a fun team to watch. They're getting a lot better, um, but I just don't know that it's going to be that simple for them. That Oh, we've got all these top draft picks. Now we turn it around. There's going to be some wrenches. There's going to be some difficult things along the way for them. And then on a side note, you know, speaking from a business standpoint, a small market team like the Jazz can't afford to tank for five years like the Sixers did. It's just not doable. When that happens, your ticket sales go down, your sponsorships go down, and it just you take a major hit from the business side that a, that a smaller team like the Jazz just can't survive. And I don't think many Jazz fans are calling for a five-year tank you know, like the Sixers did. I recognize that. I think most of the Jazz fans, even the ones that are calling for a tank, are more saying to do it this year and I guess maybe that's a little bit more palatable, but in my mind just even just uttering the word tank and wanting your team to do that is the most ridiculous thing to me. I absolutely hate it. All it does it breeds a a losing mentality, a bandwagon culture, Uh, I I can't stand it whatsoever. The other thing though, um, well another reason I guess you could say why I don't think the Jazz will come anywhere close to tanking is they have a guy named Rudy Gobert that is not going to embrace or or really enjoy doing that at all. He will not be up for it. I think if, if, you know, if fans (laughs) or, can you imagine if Dennis Lindsay came to Rudy Gobert and just said, hey Rudy, uh, we're going to rest you for, you know, the rest of 2017. We'll get you back sometime in February, March maybe. We're going to tank this year. We don't want to be very good you think that's really gonna gonna fly with him you know I it just I cannot see him being okay at all with that mindset and the Jazz would also then go on to risk pissing off a guy who's been nothing but loyal to this team. He's shown he wants to compete night in and night out. He wants to give it his all. And you're going to tell me that he's going to be okay with just you know t- taking a year off and just not looking to win? I think that's absolutely ridiculous. It's a bad idea. Last thing you want to do is upset the one guy who looks like he wants to be the face of the franchise for years and years to come. And you could be one of the best players in the NBA You know, if we can get the right talent around him. So... I just I can't see Rudy Gobert jumping on the tank train at all and I think it's a terrible idea for anyone to think that he would or that the team should because of that. You also have a guy in Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, he was absolutely thrilled to join the jazz, and I think when he did join the jazz, he thought he was gonna be competing for playoff spots year in and year out. That's just the kind of guy he is. And I'm honestly I'm a little more than a little. I'm worried about the jazz. Um, but I still don't think the playoffs are completely out of the picture. I mean, we've played 17 games. We have time to turn this around. But my point is, you know, I talked about Rudy Gobert already, but I think Donovan's another guy that you don't want to be like, hey, look, Donovan, I know you came to this team looking to succeed and do well, but we're going to tank so we can get better later. We're not going to do very good this year. I mean, you're going to sit here and tell him that when he came on wanting to compete. He's been the most excited rookie to join the Jazz that we've probably seen in the last decade plus. I just... You don't want to risk changing a culture and changing a mentality when you have guys that have competing in their DNA. I just, I can't say it enough that I think the idea of tanking and trying to take things slow and just sitting back this year is a terrible idea. I could go on and on, but simply put, tanking is not the jazz way. It's not in their DNA. And you know what? At the end of the year, whether the Jazz win 60 games or they win 30 games, they need to go out there and give it their all. And if they do, I'll be completely satisfied. If there's any of this bull crap where, you know, they're not giving their all and they're trying to lose games and we're resting players that should be playing and all that, I'm going to be absolutely ashamed because I cannot stand that at all. Um, And the fact of the matter is, too, you know, if the Jazz keep playing like they have been, you know, the game against the Magic aside, if they keep struggling like they do, they're not going to need to purposely tank. The losses and the so-called benefits of tanking are going to come anyway. Uh, we're going to get that higher draft pick just by being a team that's struggling this year and I have no problem if the jazz struggle and not they're out there playing their hardest, but any sort of this you know on purpose stuff I cannot stand it at all. I have a feeling Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell among others would be 100 percent in my camp. so you know I want the jazz to start playing better just because I love them. But more than that, I want them to start playing better so that this tank nonsense can completely go away. Every time I see a tank note hashtag, I cringe. I think it's the stupidest thing, stupidest idea. It's not going to be a positive for this team whatsoever, and I'm pretty sure Rudy Gobert would agree with me. So I feel like I'm in the right there because a lot of these guys that are calling for the tank obviously are big Rudy Gobert fans. So again, I'm probably going in circles here. You guys can tell I'm very, very fired up about this. Never, ever, 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 ever would I call for the Jazz to tank. think it's ridiculous. This team has a lot of promise. Uh, Playoffs are still very much within reach. We're three games under 500. Seventeen 17 games into the season. Let's pump the brakes, and instead of encouraging this team to suck, let's encourage this team to get out there, turn things around, Put some faith in Quinn Snyder that he can help this team turn around, and let's let's cheer for them to be the very best they can be. And you know what? If they fall short of the playoffs, we still have great financial flexibility. We have two or more great years ahead where we can really change the team and mold it into something special. I don't ever want to hear the words tank no out of a true Jazz fan again. So that's my sentiment. Any issues with it, be sure to let me know. I'm going to cool down now, and let's go on to point number two. Point two. So, as I mentioned in the intro, I feel like this season's been pretty interesting in that there's been some teams that have started out really hot and have kind of cooled off, and there's others that started out slow, and they seem to be getting going now. So, I wanted to look at a few teams from either conference. Um, You know, I thought about looking at every single team, but there's just a few that stand out to me more that I wanted to chat about a little bit more um, without, you know, just totally drowning you guys with more information than you probably want. Um, But really want to talk about some teams that have stood out to me. One side note real fast that I want to say is, you know, the the league's been really fun this year, I feel like. And the one thing that just bothers me is that overshadowing what's been a fun season is the fact that we're all 99.9% sure that at the end of the day, Golden State is just going to win the championship. And it's really bothersome. Honestly, it really sucks because we have a lot of teams that are competing well with one another Seems There's a lot of balance, a lot of parity in the league, that if you could just suck them out and you know Cleveland looks bad right now but heck let's just suck them out too just for the fun of it and i think that you have you know 16 teams making the playoffs from both conferences that's going to be very fun and very exciting that that's what you would have since that's not the case you know, we're probably going to get a repeat of the same finals as last year. Maybe Cleveland surprises us all and they continue struggling and someone like Boston sneaks in, but even if that's the case, they're going to get absolutely walloped by the Warriors in the finals. And you know, maybe I shouldn't count the Rockets out for example, but I just I just don't see it happening and I think a lot of us as much as we want to see it happen, it's very much wishful thinking. And it's really discouraging. It just it just really in my mind blows that We're one team, there's just one team that's keeping the rest of the league from being phenomenal in a way, if you get what I'm saying, that this could be a fun NBA, a balanced NBA, but instead it's just kind of we're awaiting the inevitable of the Warriors winning it all, and I, I can't stand that, but let's put that aside for one moment, let's be a little more optimistic, a little more excited about things. I've been thrilled with the way the year has started just because there's so many teams that, you know, they've played well. There's teams beating teams that you wouldn't expect. There's been upsets. There's been um, all this cool stuff. So let's start with the Eastern Conference. Um, There's five teams I want to talk about. First one is the Boston Celtics. And, you know, they started out 0-2. Obviously, that first game was a heart-wrencher. Seeing Gordon Hayward go down the way he did. Regardless of of your thoughts on him as a player or as a former jazz man, just just hard to see that happen. And I can't imagine what it was like for his teammates. So you know they started 0-2 and they've won 15 straight. And the most impressive, obviously, was their recent win over the Golden State Warriors, where they trailed by double figures and then came back to win. Um, you know, I saw a lot of things. Obviously, the Warriors were very much complaining about the officiating in that game. But also, we know that they would never lose a game unless the officials helped them out. You know, they don't, they don't have enough firepower to win games, obviously. Uh, and obviously, I'm being sarcastic there. But um, going back to the Celtics, I just think they're absolutely a phenomenal team. I do think they're legit. Um, a lot of people before the the win over the Warriors were saying, yeah, well, the Celtics haven't played anybody yet, uh, which is partially true. I mean, they still have a lot to prove, don't get me wrong, but I think they are a very, very good team. They have an elite defense, um, and the biggest thing I like about them is they have a lot of room to grow and get better. I mean, obviously, when you have guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that are leading the way for you, you can grow within a season as they get better. And I think they are amazingly coached. I mean, hats off to um, to Brad Stevens for the start of the season. And while I don't think obviously this this streak is going to continue till who knows when, till December, January, nothing like that. Um, I do think they're going to be a very good team, and they really are my favorite to be the first or the number one seed in the East, um, as we saw last year. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll win the East once the playoffs roll around, but I do think that they they will finish the regular season atop the conference, and I do think the Celtics are legit. Um, they've showed so far that they are going to be a really, really good team, and I think that's only going to continue, even if it's not quite at the 15 and 2 start that we've seen them at so far. So that's my thoughts on Celtics. Next team want to chat about in the East is the Pistons, and you know the Pistons started out great. Um, now they've lost two straight. Recently, um, a game that I was very excited about, uh, since I, I do like the Indiana Pacers quite a bit, uh, but the Pistons were up 22 on the Pacers in the second half. And they just collapsed. They ended up losing the game. And I know that was just one game. You know, a lot of teams have a bad game. They'll give a big lead. It's pretty common for that to happen every once in a while. But I still felt like that loss absolutely encapsulates the Pistons to me. Just a lack of heart, a lack of focus, a lack of determination. I've just never been very high on this roster as far as their cohesion and, and really putting it together when it matters most. Um, I do think from what we've seen so far, they'll very likely make the playoffs in in a weak Eastern Conference. But right now, they're second in the Eastern Conference, and and I do not think that will hold. Uh, In short, I'm not sold on the Pistons. They're they're a fake team to me. That's how I'm going to refer to it in this segment. They're they're fake. They're not real. They're not as good as they've started out. And we're going to see that um, record slowly start to drop as the year goes on. That is my prediction with the Pistons. Uh, With the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, I know whenever it involves... LeBron James, you know, we like to hit the panic button pretty early, uh, but I feel like he's also shown time and time again, you know, aside from all the the players only meetings and all the different things the media likes to report on, um, eventually the Cavs and Le- I guess LeBron James led teams, they figure it out. With that being said, I'm a little bit surprised at how long they've struggled. Um, you know, they've kind of been down for a while now. Uh, they're still right in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference, so it's not like they're terrible by any means. We just expect more out of a LeBron James-led team, and so really, my thinking here is that um, maybe they're being a little slower to turn it around than I would have thought. But I still, until they're eliminated from a playoff series, I'm not going to count LeBron James out. That's as simple as it is. I still think they're going to easily find a way to be one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, which is more than enough. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be plenty for them to win. Um, in the playoffs to come out of the Eastern Conference. And I think eventually the struggles we've seen so far will be what we consider fake, and and the team itself will prove to be real. That being said, I mean, if there was a year where I thought maybe the Cavs could be topped by the Celtics, maybe it ends up being this year. But I I don't know. The the one thing, too, is that people need to realize that one of the best pieces that the Cavs got in the trade for Kyrie Irving was Isaiah Thomas, and he is still hurt. Um, He has not played a game and will not for quite a while still. And if he comes back and he's not very good, um, then that just puts a lot more pressure on LeBron James. But if he comes back and he's Boston Celtics version of Isaiah Thomas, that team's going to get real scary real fast. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is not getting the credit I feel like he deserves. He really did carry the Celtics last year. Celtics were a good team last year, but Isaiah was the heart and soul of that team. If he can come on now and you know you got teams double-teaming LeBron James and leaving that same Isaiah Thomas that was so good for the Celtics Um, Just being able to go one-on-one, he's going to beat up on some people. So I'll say this, that I definitely think the Cavs are real, even though I am surprised at how long it's taking them to right the ship. And if Isaiah Thomas comes back strong, they'll easily be the winner once again in the East. Um, Even if it's not regular season, come playoffs, they will be the best. That is my thought there. Um, Next one is the New York Knicks. And um, I've never been a New York Knicks fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I actually do like a lot of their guys this year. I think Porzingis is solid. He's fun to watch. Uh, more than anything, I just want Jeff Hornacek to find success. I feel like he's been in some bad coaching situations, um, you know, both with the Suns and the Knicks. Now that Phil Jackson is gone, and it seems like Hornacek has a little bit more freedom, um, a little bit more flexibility to do things his way. I really like what I've seen so far out of him, you know, minus the fact that they beat the Jazz. But I want Hornacek to do well, and I think the Knicks are real in that. I think they're going to find a way to put things together and sneak into the playoffs. Do I think they're a top team in the East? No, not by any means. But I think their years of being essentially in the cellar in the Eastern Conference are over. I think they'll continue being competitive, and for like I said, Jeff Hornacek's sake, I hope that that's the case. So the Knicks, you know, have a above five hundred record right now, and I think that's real. I think that's going to be sustainable. I'm I'm feeling good about the Knicks so far. Next one is the Orlando Magic. Last one I'll talk about in the East, and you know they started out so well. Um, they were so hot. Um, I actually want the Magic to succeed, I'm a big Frank Vogel fan. But by the way some of their players were shooting, I mean, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it was through the first few games uh, when they were atop the Eastern Conference. You had Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Simmons, Evan Fournier, and Nikola Vukovic. They were all shooting something like 50%, over 50% from the field and over 40% from deep. And I remember thinking how amazing that was, but also thinking that it just wasn't sustainable. I think little by little that's starting to show. A lot of promise, a lot of talent on this team. I just don't know if they have enough of it um, to be able to stay afloat. Um, obviously, the Jazz absolutely annihilated them, and they've lost some weird games, like to the Chicago Bulls and things like that. I hope they can right the ship. Maybe they'll still sneak into the playoffs, but they have a lot to figure out. And compared to what we saw through the first 10 games, I'm going to say this team is fake. They are not the team we saw um, when the year started out. They're not as good as we thought they might be when the year started out. So, moving over now to the Western Conference, first team I want to chat about is the Houston Rockets who are currently uh, top the Western Conference, best record in the West. And, I mean, they started out hot uh, with that win over Golden State. That was their first game. And they have continued uh, staying hot. I mean, they had 90 points in the first half of the night against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Chris Paul is now back from injury. We're going to see how his involvement affects the team. But make no mistake about it, the Rockets are 100% real. I mean, James Harden is playing MVP caliber ball. Eric Gordon has been solid. And then I think really Clint Capella is kind of the unsung hero of this Rockets team. You know, he's not the flashiest guy. He's not doing James Harden like things, but he does his job and he does it so well. He's playing great. Um, there's a reason why the Rockets have that best record in the West right now. It's just because the team is all there together. Um, their offense is firing on all cylinders. Their defense is somewhat improved from last year. They're going to be fighting Golden State for the number one seed in the West all year long. And I don't know if they'll end up getting it, but the Rockets are certainly for real. We're going to see them in the top three in the West. I, I can almost guarantee it. Um, the team I want to talk about next is the Timberwolves. And they've really been kind of confusing to me. Um, obviously, they've won some big games, had some big wins, but they've also lost some head scratchers. Uh, they're third in the West right now after you know beating the Spurs last week, which was an impre- one of those impressive wins I talked about. So that has them at a 10-5 record. So, I mean, in short, there's no denying that this is a very, very good team. Um, however, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say that this team is fakely real. I mean, they, they're good. I'm almost certain they're going to be a playoff team. Um, you know, there's too much talent there. They're playing so well um, that I don't see them missing the playoffs. But I don't think they're quite as good as even their 10-5 and five record shows. And certainly, I don't think they'll be a top-three team in the West um, part of my concerns there are their defense still has not been anything to write home about. Their depth is not all that spectacular, although it has improved over last year, which is a big reason why they're playing better. But one thing that really just blows my mind is that Coach Thibodeau continues to play his starters for an absurd amount of minutes. And I think eventually they're going to drop some games out of fatigue. It could hurt them down the stretch um, towards the end of the year. So I guess in short, you know, the Timberwolves, they're, they're real, I think they're very a very good team, but I'm not sold on them being top three in the West, which is where they sit right now. So I think that they're going to stay, you know, in that upper echelon, but they're going to come down to earth slightly from where we've seen them right, or where we've seen them of late. I should say. The next thing I want to touch on is the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, they're one of those teams that started out slow. To be honest, I was initially a, a doubter of the Nuggets, uh, but I think things are starting to come together for them. Honestly, uh, Millsap and the team are kind of figuring out how to play with one another. And the thing I've liked about this team so far is that they're very well rounded. You know, they have a lot of guys that are averaging double figure scoring right now. Uh, they're contributing on offense. You know, as a whole, um, they're better defensively this year than they were last last year. They're not the you know they're not the West elite team, um, but they are good. And I do think the Nuggets are for real. I think they're going to be a tough out. I think we'll see them in the playoffs this year, and they're going to be a, a difficult divisional rival for the Utah Jazz. So that's my thoughts there. The Grizzlies, they're, they're one that's been pretty confusing. Um, in some ways, you could say, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, they started out the year looking exceptional. You know, they're right there atop the West. Um, now they've lost seven of their last 10 in four straight. Part of that has had a lot to do with the Mike Conley injury. Obviously, he's one of the most important players on that team. Um, if he's out for an extended amount of time, uh, that could very well sink the Grizz because he he plays a huge role for them. Um, initially, you know, before the year started, I had pinned the Grizzlies outside of the playoffs, kind of with the caveat that, you know, I'm pinning them outside, fully aware that the Grizzlies always seem to find a way uh, to make it in. Um, maybe they still will find that way to make it in, but without Conley, it's going to be very, very tough. But the fact of the matter is the Grizzlies have not looked nearly as good as they started the season out, and I, I probably should just suck to my guns. On that they're not going to make the playoffs because as things are looking right now, I could see them start to teeter that way, especially with Mike Conley out. The thing I'll say about the Grizzlies, I won't go so far as to say they're they're fake because if Conley was in, they'd probably be doing better. Um, but I will say I don't think they are quite as good as their hot start made them look. I think they're coming back down to earth in a big way. Uh, but their hot start was definitely very misleading. At the end of the day, that's the biggest thing: is that they're not quite as good as how they started. And if there's no Conley. Uh, for the foreseeable future, they'll be in big trouble. Last one from the West I want to touch on is the Clippers. And they've been kind of similar to the Grizzlies. Um, they started out so hot, and, and now they're reeling. Honestly, they're, they're in a little bit of trouble. And I was very low on the Clippers heading into the season. I picked them as the 10th seed in the West um, before the year started. Um, I kind of backtracked on that when I saw how good they played to start the year on a recent show with uh, Christian Dudley. Um, I talked about how, man, it looks like the Clippers are going to be a playoff team. I was wrong. And it's still very early, don't get me wrong. But the fact that they're now 5-10, and 10, um, I think they're in trouble. And they've had some injuries. Obviously, that's hurt them. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is we knew all along that they are a very injury-prone team. They have guys on that team that have struggled staying healthy. So if they're going to continue to struggle with that, I don't see a way that those guys are really going to improve. I think that they, um, you know Doc Rivers is still overrated. Um, I know some people would disagree with me on that. I feel like Chris Paul kept them alive a lot of the time last year. Um, yes, they have more depth this year, but now they don't really have a closer that's going to save their butt all the time like Chris Paul did. They don't have a Jamal Crawford type guy anymore. Even J.J. Redick, you know, they lost a lot of guys that were good in those clutch situations. I worry for the Clippers that they're going to end up being around that 10th seed because I predicted them. They have to. They have a long way to go if they want to catch up and make up the ground that they lost. Now that they're five and 10, so. We'll see there. Those are my 10 teams, five from each conference that have been a bit surprising this year, and my thoughts on whether they're real or fake. With that being said, let's move on now to the third and final point a look at the week ahead. Point three. Last week, you know, the Jazz, at least they ended on a positive note by beating Orlando. So we kind of have that taste in our mouths right now. We're, We're feeling pretty good about our chances moving forward, I guess you could say. But overall, it was a very, very, very disappointing week. I mean, you had the loss to Minnesota where it looked like Utah, frankly, forgot to show up. Uh, the game against New York that we had in the bag and then blew in the final quarter. Uh, the game against Brooklyn where, you know, we had five players out and we just couldn't keep up with them. And Spencer Dinwiddie absolutely killed us. The defense wasn't there. The offense wasn't there. And it was just atrocious. And so the Jazz ended up going 1-3. and I had picked them to go 2-2. Two and two. I thought they would beat uh, Brooklyn and New York. Um, actually, turned out they, they lost uh, to both of those teams and, and beat Orlando, which was a little bit surprising. Week ahead, so the Jazz will start out playing uh, Philadelphia on Monday. And then from there, they'll go on to play Chicago on t- on Wednesday. Excuse me. Then they'll finish up the week on Saturday um, against Milwaukee. The game against Philly is on the road. It's the last one of this four-game road trip. Then they'll turn around and have a few games at home, and that's where they'll play Chicago and Milwaukee. So starting with the game on Monday against Philadelphia – Um, I mean, Philadelphia has been a weird team, honestly. They're one of those teams that's been pretty up and down. And it's kind of expected. I mean, they are a young team, obviously. And and as I alluded to in the first point, uh, they're trying to get away from the losing culture that's been such a part of them for the past few years. At times, they've looked absolutely elite. And other times, they've looked pretty mediocre. And I feel like their loss to Golden State just the other night was a perfect example. Um, Obviously, you know, Philly put up 47 points in the first quarter. They're up 22 at halftime. Um, you know, normally you would see that and think, well, it's over, they're gonna run away with this, but I think all of us had a hunch that Golden State was gonna make a push, and boy did they ever. Golden State went on to outscore the Sixers forty-seven to fifteen in the third quarter, which is just mind-blowing. And the Warriors would end up winning by eight. And that was really a tale of two halves for the Sixers, and it's kind of the tale of the two different versions of their season. They they've looked phenomenal in some cases, and they've looked pretty bad in other cases. And you know, last time Philadelphia played the Jazz You know, they looked good, but more than anything, the Jazz looked absolutely awful. Um, Rudy Gobert was still in at that point, and the Sixers didn't have Joel Embiid, and the Sixers still dominated. I mean, the Jazz gave up a ton of threes. Um, Philadelphia shot 44.4% from deep. Um, We just were giving them wide-open looks, and we're not contesting well at all. And so... um, It's a little bit nerve-wracking for this upcoming matchup because the Sixers already have experience with beating us. But then again, you look at Orlando, and Orlando is a great three-point shooting team, and the Jazz found a way to get it done. They covered really well from, from the perimeter. So I'm hoping that really this Orlando game will end up being kind of a spark for the Jazz, kind of that switch moment where we figure out what works, what we need to do to play together, how we need to defend, and we can see major improvements from the Jazz from here out. Um, I actually am, am, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I have a feeling the Jazz are going to play similarly to how they played on Saturday, and they're going to come out and get a big win on Monday over the Sixers. I know it's the last game of a road trip, um, I know the Sixers have played well, and they just barely beat us, but I feel like after killing the Magic, the Jazz's confidence is going to be high, whereas Philadelphia's coming off kind of a soul-crushing loss, and against my better judgment, I'm going to pick the Jazz to win this one. Um, like I said, it's going to it's gonna take a much better effort, obviously, than last time we played Philadelphia. we got to defend the three-point line. We're going to have to keep Embiid in check, which is going to be hard without Rudy Gobert. But I'm going to go out on a limb, as I said, and, and pick the Jazz in that one. Next game against Chicago on Wednesday. Um, obviously, Chicago is off to a, a bad start. They're only 3-10. Um, the Jazz will be back at home for this game where they're 6-4. Um, I know they've lost some surprising ones at home, but overall they've shown a lot of promise on their home court. And the fact of the matter is the Bulls are a very, very bad team. Um, They've mostly been blown out this year. They're three wins. um, Obviously, they they play um, Phoenix while I'm recording this right now, so we'll see if they get another one after that. But um, the three wins the Bulls have up to this point while I'm recording have been against the uh, Atlanta Hawks, which are equally as bad. Um, They snuck past the Charlotte Hornets, and then they beat up on the apparently inconsistent Magic, which... Magic, just real quick side, are kind of odd to me just because they have beat some good teams and they've lost some other games. They have a lot to figure out. But anyway, uh, for the Bulls, you know, I feel like uh, Larry Markandon has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but overall, the, the team just has no firepower. They're 29th in the league in points per game. Um, they're not a scary defense by any means. I really think that in Salt Lake City, this should be an easy win for the Jazz. Granted, they've lost others this year that I thought they would win, such as the Nets last week. So hopefully I don't jinx them. But still, the Bulls are just so bad, I don't see the Jazz losing this game. So I'm picking the Jazz to uh, start out the week 2-0, beating Philly and Chicago. Um, Then the Jazz will go on to play the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday. And the Bucks are another team that have been very much up and down. I mean, they added Eric Bledsoe, and they won four in a row with him, including against the Spurs, a tough Grizzlies team, and against the Hot Pistons. But then um, on Saturday night, they got absolutely decimated by the terrible Dallas Mavericks. They just got totally destroyed. And I am inclined to think that game was a bit of a fluke because Dallas simply couldn't miss. They tied a franchise record for threes made in a game. And Milwaukee had been playing very well before that. But still, the, even you know before Bledsoe was added, they had been up and down at that point too. So this is going to be a confusing one, a hard one to predict. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is just the real deal. Um, I think he's going to be very tough for the Jazz to stop, especially without their interior defender in Rudy Gobert. I think the Bucks are going to win this one, um, especially if, you know, let's say, for example, the Jazz's win over the Magic was just a fluke. I hope it wasn't, but let's just say for the sake of, of this purpose that it was and that, you know, the Jazz revert to their former way of playing all week long, um, you know, against even Philly, but for this purpose against Milwaukee, um, then I think the Bucks are going to walk all over them. Uh, the one ray of hope that I do have is that Utah, you know, they played very well against Milwaukee last year, even though Milwaukee was a playoff team at that point, too. So maybe the Jazz have some tricks up their sleeve to contain the Bucks. You know, I could easily see Quinn Snyder out coaching Jason Kidd. Um, we'll see. But anyway, I'm having, I guess, I, I'm pinning the Jazz at 2-1 and one this week. I think they'll beat Philly. That one I'm a little nervous about, but I think they'll beat Philly. They'll beat Chicago and then lose to Milwaukee. If they can somehow prove me wrong and go 3-0, and honestly, I think all three games are well within Utah's reach, especially if they flip a switch and can play even halfway as good as they did against Orlando. I think 3-0 is very attainable. If they did that, they would be back to 500 at the end of the week. They'd be 10-10. and which, honestly, if you told me the Jazz would start out 10-10, and 10, I would have been pretty pleased with that. And, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not out of reach. So, we'll see what happens. On the flip side of that, kind of like I mentioned, if the Jazz go back to their old ways and play like they did the first time they played against Philadelphia... They're very likely going to finish with a below 500 record, whether that's 1-2 and two or a disastrous 0-3. I just, I can't even fathom them losing losing to the Bulls, but I guess it could happen. But, you know, if they revert back to that former way of playing, then I think 1-2 and two is also very probable, but it's still going to stick with I have the Jazz going 2-1 this week. Either way, this week is going to be a very big proving ground to me. You know, it seems like the Jazz kind of, um, got rid of their demons, got the monkey off their back by getting their first road win against Orlando. Hopefully that gets them in a groove. Um, you know, Before that game, it felt like the tankers were out in droves. You know, People just wanted the Jazz to tank. Then they see this 40-point victory, and they kind of were silenced a little bit. I'm looking forward to Utah continuing to play well, um, to shut those tankers down, to shut them up, and just not prove them right. There's no reason this Jazz team needs to tank, as I said in the first point. So... Regardless, though, of whether the Jazz do well or struggle this week, again, I, there's no way they're going to tank with Rudy Gobert on the roster. They're going to keep being as good as they can be. Um, like I said, though, this is a very big proving ground week. I think the Jazz can really make a statement. Like I said, if they can get to 10-10, and 10, that will be absolutely amazing. If they end up being 9-11, uh, and 11, it still puts them in a better spot than they were to end this past week. They just got to keep um, fighting tooth and nail, just clawing their way up as much as possible. So... That's going to do it for today, guys. I appreciate you joining the show, listening in. Um, I'm excited for the week ahead. I know that you know we only had one good game last week. The other ones were pretty discouraging. But I think the Jazz learned a lot, and I think they could put a lot of that into the week ahead. So want to give you guys a reminder. Make sure you're following at 3P Threat Podcast on Twitter. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you're keeping up to date on all jazz news on thejnotes.com. Follow me as well at at Woodcox, And I promise you there's going to be lots of good jazz content coming um, all throughout the season. So be sure to stay tuned. If you have any suggestions or things you'd like to hear on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out. And until next time, go jazz.